0: Irreverent, over the top, and smart as a whip. This is The Rob Black Show. So three months ago, if you tuned into the show, you would hear not alarm, but a lot of attention being paid to inflation. Today, I can happily tell you that copper prices hit a high in March and since then have been plummeting. So you're talking to the tune of... 478 494 all the way down to 3 50 Lumber prices are falling uh, that's price per pound by the way so almost five dollars down to about three 25 335 on copper. That's a huge drop and that's that's deflationary and that's recessionary. So there's a recession alarm sounding there. Now we've said it a couple times: recession, 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 recession. It's not like some words that you're not allowed to say, certain things you're not allowed to say in front of women, certain things you're not allowed to say in front of people of color. Certain, I get it. The word recession is something you have to say out loud a couple of times to feel comfortable saying it and thinking that it could actually come true. And on Wall Street, it's it's not like candyman, candyman, candyman. If you say recession three times in front of a mirror. It actually helps fight inflation. It's actually probably better at fighting inflation than the Federal Reserve or government. Softer housing sales are hammering demand for lumber. Interesting times. We're starting to talk about numbers falling. Mark Cuban is one of those talking heads that he's out there a lot. A lot of people think he may run for president in two years. The number of people, the names that I'm hearing right now uh, Mark Cuban. I'm hearing Gavin Newsom. <laughs> Who were some of the other celebrities uh, that I thought were kind of interesting? I still think Kanye West could run and would be actually an interesting study on what America wants. <laughs> like that would be <clears throat> entertaining to say the least. How far would he get? What's one money piece of advice that Mark Cuban would say? And typically, what he and I have found ourselves doing is we talk about the worst investment we've ever made. <clears throat> he says, trusting people I shouldn't have trusted. Typically integrity. Um, and ultimately, how does that come out down to you? Is I've been on air for 25 years, roughly. I think I'm pretty okay at doing this. I haven't pissed you off. I haven't upset you. I did make some mistakes in the late 90s, early 2000s. I've tried to correct that boat uh, by being a little too aggressive and a little too optimistic in 99, 2000, 2001. By drinking the Kool-Aid of the internet, so to speak. Um, And now from wanting to beat the markets with you, the show turned into wanting to get a new retirement. Try to keep that in mind when you listen to shows. I have no newsletter or anything for sale. I don't sell hats. I'm not in that business. Um, I'm not a, There's not going to be a GoFundMe page, although those are famous last words, right? Oh, that, you said there was going to be no GoFundMe page. One of the things that I've started doing in my own personal portfolio is I've started getting ready for the concept of retirement, of not working nine to five. I don't work nine to five, but you get the idea. And uh, spending a little bit more downtime. My father had a massive heart attack at the age that I'm at. And then five years later, he was dead. Yeah, so I'm not worried about that per se, but it is in my head, right? So I guess there's a worry or two. One of the things that I've started doing is is moving my portfolio very, very slowly. And I'm talking uh, maybe 3% started been been moved. Towards retirement ideas, towards retirement income ideas. Right now, I just clocked into Salem Radio. I'll get paid for two to three hours of work. I get paid minimum wage because I don't want there to be a conflict. I don't want to make big, 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 big money. And then suddenly I have to be like a Joe Rogan and have an opinion about things I shouldn't have an opinion about. I, I think Joe's fine. I just think he has too many opinions. And sometimes you just need to be quiet when you don't know. So one of the things I'm starting to think about and I'm thinking about how to integrate it on the show is anticipating retirement and starting to plan for retirement, starting to look for some of those milestones, so to speak. I'm looking for a new budget and I'm looking for a new lifestyle in the coming next five years. I don't want to get to retirement in 10 years from now and do it cold turkey. I want to ease into retirement. I know that I can continue to earn money as I play around with a new budget and a new lifestyle. I'll still be earning income while I do this, but I kind of want to start practicing. So, to me, I'm actually really good at having downtime. Uh, One of the things that I did when I had COVID was I took naps. I had COVID back in the beginning of June, and I just couldn't stay up. I mean, there, We all have different symptoms, right? For me, it was just three hours of work, and then I had a 15, 20-minute cat nap. Three hours of work, 15, 20-minute cat nap. I couldn't couldn't avoid it. And what's weird is I haven't had cat naps since I was in high school. I don't know if the word cat nap is still even legit, so please forgive me if it's not. One of the things I like about practicing downtime is I'm spending time with my kids. Now, I know that in 5, 10 years, when they hit 2025, they're going to go off and have their own lives, and I hope they do. Hopefully, they'll still find time with uh, hanging out with dear old dad, because I do enjoy my boys. But it takes practice right now. And then I have to be ready for what if one of my kids falls in love, and he basically says, I'm going to Caracas. I'm like, where's Caracas? I don't even know. I couldn't tell you what continents on. Um, of my geography on the lower tier countries or lower tier cities, not strong. So I have to practice this. I have to be ready for it because one thing you don't want to be is, and this happened to my mom, my dad died and ultimately she never worked a white collar job or a blue collar job in her life other than being a mom. And she was a great mom. But she spent the last 20 years of her life basically watching TV in retirement and slowly letting her health get away from her, from being able to drive to not being able to drive. Mentally is going to be the weirdest thing for me when I stop working. And there's two things here. I love to read. I'll still read, no doubt about it. Um, I try to read two books a week. One of the odder things for me in retirement will be, how do I stay mentally challenged? Because here's what I don't like to read. I don't like daily news anymore. I have to do it for the show, but there's too many shootings. There's too much negativity in the political press. Like It sucks. Anyway, I'm trying to pull off a partial retirement slowly in the next five years so that when I hit that final five years, I'm really ready for it. I think that concept is something you should have in your head. What do I want to work for? How long do I want to work for? What am I doing this for? What am I going to do in retirement? Because one thing you don't want to do is is idle hands. You'll make mistakes. Anyhow, and anyway, I'm Rob Black. Thanks for listening to the show. Practice retirement is my thought of this segment. What do you want to work for? How long do you want to work? And why? I'm Rob Black. A straightforward approach to managing your money. The Rob Black Show. I'm Rob Black. Thanks for listening to the show. I got a little emotional in the last segment. And I know you're saying that's emotional for you. I know. Talking about retirement. And then coming into this break, I hear a song that I used to play for my kids while I was driving them around when they're in baby seats and cars. And they used to go, hey, during the song. And uh it's just it's funny how hard we work to get ahead for our kids. Then <clears throat> they're gonna leave the they're gonna leave the nest. So one of the things that I've been talking about in the last two weeks is is the trend on, and we're going through this together. I've been through it numerous times. Inflation recessions. This is the biggest bout of inflation I've ever seen. This is, since the 1970s at least, the only time where I've seen people really freak out about inflation. I'd have to think about that a bit more. Um, because I'm sure you could say, well, people are freaking out about buying homes and people are freaking out about the inflation in stocks and chasing after them. And I, I guess people freaked out about Bitcoin at 60,000 after it had already inflated from basically nothing to 60,000. I was like, so yeah, I guess we all act a little crazy with inflation, right? But one of the trends recently has been to use the word recession and just start saying it. You're hearing it all over financial media. I think it's a good thing. Here's the weird part about it. We've all been through this together now let's talk a little bit about some of the indicators of inflation. Inflation's surging and the odds of recession are rising. There are certain telltale signs really how bad it's starting to get. You notice every time you fill up your car with gasoline, you go, oh man, that's a little bit more than I was expecting. You notice it when you get groceries. And you're like, didn't I used to go to Safeway and get groceries for $180 a trip for two or three or four days of food and then you're like now it's up to 220 how did that happen you're like oh and it's almost like you can get robbed in the parking lot you're bringing out a booty of, of, of goodies um in plastic bags that i'm surprised there's not more theft in parking lots of food at this point in time i know you're saying don't even go there rob but it is a treasure trove that we're walking out of the store with right so we're noticing it more and more. Price increases. A friend of mine wanted to take his wife to Hawaii for her wedding, uh, for her 50th. And he was all stoked. He's all proud about it. He just showed off, telling me he was going to do it. And he looked at airfares. He's like, not going to do it. Used cars, trucks, medical care, household furnishings. I moved into this home roughly one year ago today. It was it was bought in July, and we, we moved in in August. I ordered a dining room table, or my spouse did, and it's still not here. Inflation supply chain, right? Um, everything. So I, I appreciate situations like Target and Old Navy when you just need a T-shirt. Like, ooh, at least you could still get a T-shirt for pretty cheap, right? But then you go to Target, and it's not cheap anymore. So last quarter's GDP revealed the economy shrunk by 1.5%. And we're pretty sure the second quarter is going to be another negative grower. And we're going to say, oh, we were in a recession the first half of the year. That feels like it's going to happen. You're starting to hear some noted economists saying we're already in a recession. Let's talk about it. We've seen price increases in all products and services. Uh, We're paying more and we're either getting less less. And or we're going a step qu- lower in quality. The price of a first class stamp has always been something that tracks inflation pretty well. At the end of 1981, a first class stamp was 20 cents. The post office is going to increase stamps, first class stamps to 60 cents in July. That's a classic example of why you need to invest. Let's say you were in the business of writing letters and sending off first-class mail. Over the years, your cost of doing business is up 200% on the stamps alone since 1980. The end of 81 to today, the core consumer price index, which excludes volatile food and energy prices, increased, guess what? 214%. Forever stamp is basically a great investment against inflation if you're in the business of writing letters. The forever stamp is not a great idea if you tend to lose stamps. If you have a very small amount of money, tips, treasure, inflation, protection, securities can make a little bit of sense for you. They could be part of an income portfolio that keeps up with inflation. So again, the idea that a, a first-class stamp is up 200% and the cost of food and services is up 200% in the same 40 year time period, it shouldn't be lost on you. Inflation moves at a much slower pace historically than say the stock market. Stock market doubles every 7.2 years. So you can see that it thumps inflation, but not this year. And now, you know, that little sounder that we play every now and then just goes back to my childhood where, Even even later parts of my adult, like I was 18 and my little sister was 10 and she'd be watching these TV shows and Blossom in a very special episode of Blossom. Blossom gets pregnant or Blossom's best friend. And you're like, oh, and now you know. So men's underwear, what does that have to do with inflation? We put our legs in one leg at a time, right? In good times, men don't think twice about replacing their underwear when it becomes worn out. But when they have to tighten their belts in recessions, they prefer to wear underwear, which has a few holes in it, as I refer to it as the biblical underwear. It's holy. Uh, the theory is that we put off buying things like that that are, I don't want to say desirable source I don't even know what I would call underwear at this point in time. But Haynes and Calvin Klein, two of the most popular men's underwear brands, um, won't really comment on this, but at the height of the economic downturn in 2009, sales plummeted and eventually started recovering recover in 2011. The sale of men's underwear from Haynes and Calvin Klein is an indicator of how the economy is doing. What is your indicator? Pretty interesting stuff, right? The lipstick index. Have you heard of this one? During recessions, when people are generally feeling worse about themselves because of the state of the economy, women... Tend to buy more lipstick. It is a cheap luxury for a woman. At times when in discretionary income is scarce and splurge on expensive non essentials is not an option, buying lipstick is a way of escapism. It's priced significantly lower than other designer accessories, apparel, or jewelry. It's nice to have lipstick as an affordable luxury. This is true. So when you see lipstick sales do well, what does it tell you? In 2001, towards the end of the dot-com bubble, which basically induced a recession, there was a big connection between lipstick sales and recessions. It doesn't always hold up, nor should it. I would be wrong to tell you, try to find an indicator like, oh, my husband has got really dirty and old underwear. And it's all stretched and you can barely, it doesn't even hold up. Like, I would not want you making your investment decisions on your husband's underwear, but it's worthy of note. People do notice these things. And I'll, I'll tell you, I could tell you in my head, back to school is coming up. And one of the stories that I'm working on for television today is what's Target going to do with back to school this year? Target's one of those indicators of the economy because. They're pretty in tune with what the average American wants and needs. So I'm paying attention to what's coming out of Target. And this year, it's going to be a lot of discounting, a lot of discounts. So people feel like buy buy two, get one free. That's what we're hearing so far out of Target. Jobless claims today. Edge higher, the highest level since January. Jobless claims, first-time unemployment jobless claims. Every Thursday, it's like clockwork. We're looking for a number under, in a normal economy, under 400,000 is okay. Under 350,000, first-time unemployment claims, is awesome. We can't say this is a normal economy, in my opinion. Um, my friend went to Cheesecake Factory last week because a lot of the local ro- restaurants were shut down and had to feed his family. And he was surprised. He said, I got to Cheesecake Factory and there was a 45-minute wait, but half the restaurant was empty. So you'd see that this is not a normal economy. You would think that Cheesecake Factory would be open, all their tables, all their food, all their options, but they can't staff well. And we're hearing that more and more in the services sector. So the jobless claims edged up to the highest since January. Planned layoffs soar. Trade deficit hits its 2022 low. So initial filings for unemployment benefits totaled $235,000. is a great number in normal economies. Right now, as Mitch McConnell said earlier this week, we're waiting for all Americans to get back to work. And Mitch McConnell said it in a very Republican kind of way, as soon as that stimulus money runs out, people go back to get jobs. That's my Mitch McConnell impression. Thank you very much. Thank you. I'll, I'll be doing that on Jimmy Fallon later this week. Um, so here was the the data on jobs morning that I want to hit ever so briefly. Companies announced 32,517 layoffs in June, a 57% jump from a month ago and the highest total since February 2021. For the recession to really hit and start fighting inflation, you're going to have to see more layoffs coming. First time unemployment claims are going to have to climb. You can find me online at Rob Black Show, Twitter Rob Black Show, YouTube Rob Black Show. Need a referral to a financial planner? Drop me an email, rob at robblackshow.com. Brought to you by EP Wealth. This is the Rob Black Show. Invest in what is really important. Rob Black has partnered with EP Wealth Advisors. Are you concerned with financial planning? tax planning, managing your investments, or just planning your retirement, Rob Black has partnered with EP Wealth Advisors. With over $12 billion in assets under management and more than 80 financial professionals at the helm, EP has your financial future in mind. Learn more by visiting robblackshow.com. That's robblackshow.com. Thanks for listening to the show. I'm going to spend a little bit of time today going through some of your recent emails, and I'll probably put together an email show for you soon. You can drop me an email at rob at roblackshow.com. It's rob at roblackshow.com. Anything that you want to talk about, we can talk about. One of my favorite investors is Warren Buffett. I have a list of 25 quotes from Warren Buffett that I think are imperative for everyone who's investing to have. I got a new producer this year, and it's almost like I want to send it to him because he's under 30. And go, this is the greatest of all time. Let me show you. Um, <clears throat> the thought there is Warren Buffett kind of made his own fortune by investing. He turned early jobs into cash flow, and cash flow went into investments. And he likes investments that have cash flow. What does that mean? <clears throat> he tends to like companies that produce a lot of cash. And they can buy back shares, or they can do dividends, or they can invest in their future. If you take a look at some of his investments, like Coca-Cola, they're just monster investments over 40 years. And on any one given year, you're like, eh, boring. But over 40 years, you're like, dang, I'd be better off if I had bought some 40 years ago. I think he's the greatest of all time. His phrase of be fearful when others are greedy and be greedy when others are fearful. I think is a quote that everyone should know and have and and love. Um, I'm going to take a day off and probably cry like a child when he dies. He's meant more to creating wealth in my household than anyone else. He is, like I said, the Michael Jordan of investments. He has billions of dollars to his name, but he lives frugally. He lives simply. That pays off in troubled times like now where we're talking about the word inflation and pending recession. He once used a quote that I love. He said, inflation swindles the bond investor too. It swindles the person who keeps their cash under their mattress. It swindles almost everybody. When he talks, I listen. He lives in the same house that he bought back in 1958. He originally paid $31,000 for it. It would be worth about, if you just factor what those dollars are worth today, it's 318000 He's lived in the home for over 60 years. It's a 6,500-square-foot, five-bedroom home, basically in the middle of nowhere. It's protected by fences and security cameras. That's about as fancy as it gets. He has no plans to move out. He says it's the third best investment I ever made. Don't you want to know number one and number two? He rarely takes out loans. This is how he beats inflation. He doesn't change homes. I changed homes and I saw my property tax bill inflate. He rarely takes out loans. Buffett's one and only mortgage was on a vacation home in Laguna Beach. He purchased in 1971. He had the cash to afford the $150,000 seaside property. He said that he took out a 30-year mortgage because he thought he could probably do better with $150,000 at low-cost money than by using his cash and just giving it, put it into the house. He decided with that extra cash on hand to buy more shares of Berkshire Hathaway. Companies brought him in billions of dollars of wealth. Old man Buffett beats inflation by eating breakfast on the cheap. You would think that Warren Buffett would have a gourmet personal chef with him 24-7-365. Nope. He grabs Mickey D's on his way to work quite often. He says he doesn't like to spend more than $3.17 on his morning meal. Sometimes he says when he's not feeling very prosperous, he goes with a $2.61 and two sausage patties. He puts them together and pours himself a Coca-Cola. Uh, there's a 2017 HBO documentary on Warren Buffett on HBO called becoming Warren Buffett. I love it. It's it's again, I, I'm not as do you really think I love this? This is I I'm, I'm embellishing a bit, but I think he's a stud. And again, that's an embellishment, but I think he's awesome. He doesn't splurge on brands. He doesn't buy designer suits. He doesn't have the latest iPhone model. He relied on his 20-year flip phone for years before swapping it out for an Apple smartphone in 2020. He's referred to as the Oracle of Omaha. Um, I think we all have some tricks and tips with our technology. I'm an Apple family, and I buy Apple Care for our phones. And um, one of the things I do is, when Apple Care runs out at two years, you can get the glass replaced year one, day three sixty four. I tend to say, like, "Hey, kids, that's you know." If it's looking a little beat up and still has some life in it, let's go get a facelift for it and and get it to last another year or two years. He doesn't invest with borrowed money. He doesn't use margin. He's never borrowed a significant amount of money in his life. He never will. He's got no interest in it. A young Warren Buffett once borrowed 25% of his net wealth to buy shares. He warns investors against doing the same mistake. Margin can be very risky he buys markdown cars which is i think funny um i'm not a flashy sports car guy i have the money for it but it just isn't me and i don't have that midlife crisis uh would it be cool to be seen in paris with a vintage or a vintage car a awesome sports car with a 35 year old brazilian model on my arm yeah but that's not me so he doesn't buy new cars he Upgraded his 2006 Cadillac DTS to a Cadillac XTS for 45,000 in 2014. He only drives about 3,500 miles a year, so he looks at it as I don't need a new car. He finds creative ways to save. Uh, he converted a dresser drawer into a, a bassinet for his his uh, baby many many years ago. He borrowed a crib from a friend. He says if you don't if you think you don't need it, you probably don't borrow it learn ways to cut down. So he's got this frugal mentality that's ingrained in him. And it's asking my producer earlier this morning, am I too frugal? Do, do I come across as goofy or as weird? And he's like, a little bit. Warren Buffett will often be seen with a ukulele in his hands or playing cards. Those are his hobbies. <clears throat> he has a passion for investing, but he also has things that he loves. I like to read. Um, I love a good TV show like Breaking Bad destroyed me when it ended. I was like, there will never be a show as good as this one. And then came Game of Thrones. And that was great for three or four seasons. Then it kind of trailed off a bit. But back to Warren Buffett, he uses cash, not credit. Um, that's one where I disagree with him on. Um I will go to a restaurant, I will use a credit card, but I will pay off the balance so that I don't pay any interest in my lifetime of having that card. I do it for the points or the 2% off, 3% off, 4% off, 5% off. Uh, I've got a gas card, I've got a restaurant card, I've got a travel card, I've got a hotel card, all credit cards that are all used for points. I've become more, how shall we say, feeling guilty of that because when I see people use a debit card, they're not getting a cash break. And the person who's getting the perks is me with the credit cards. And he's not getting the same perks me with the guy next to me doesn't use a credit card. And I'm like, ooh, bad choice. But I feel a little bit guilty about it. Uh, Warren Buffett still shops with coupons, he says. He's a sucker for a good deal. He once treated Bill Gates to a meal at his favorite fast food restaurant with coupons. And there was pictures of him and a young Bill Gates at McDonald's. Um, the two of them have traveled together in the past, and Warren Buffett offered to pay, but he pulled into his pocket in McDonald's coupons. Um, and it made Melinda Gates laugh because she thought Warren Buffett would have been a big spender. Um, so I'm not telling you to go to McDonald's for breakfast daily, but For me, a cup of coffee and a croissant is more than enough for breakfast. I don't need a $15 sit-down eggs, bacon. Like, that's just too much for me. My spouse's grandfather, he would have one egg and half a piece of toast. And the other day, he ate the other half of that toast. (laughs) Like, he was a pretty frugal guy when it came to breakfast, and I get it. Anyhow, there's my Warren Buffett love letter man do i love that guy i'm i'm going to ball when he passes jobless claims hit the highest level since mid-january jobless claims are your boss tells you um yeah rob uh you've got two weeks or today's your last shift on radio and he, he, my job has been taken away um uh, I've never collected social security, or never. I haven't collected social security, but I haven't collected unemployment. But in theory, I would march down to the unemployment office and say, "Uh, I'm unemployed. My boss fired me. So the number that came in for the first time filings for unemployment, total 235,000 for the weekend in July 2. That's increased from last week. It's still not a high number, but it's trending higher. So that's a piece of economic data that you go, well, if it keeps going this direction, it's bad news. But for now, we'll just take it as we're gainfully employed. So that's worthy of note. 800-516-1220 to get your calls on the air. Anything that you want to talk about, we can talk about. Markets are doing well today. Rally extending yesterday's gains, broad-based buying interest, strength in semiconductors. Samsung had a very strong quarter in revenue and earnings. On the back of the memory chips, the whole semiconductor industry is benefiting from that today. You can find me online at Rob Black Show, Twitter Rob Black Show, YouTube Rob Black Show. An education-first approach to managing your money. This is the Rob Black Show. Wow, we're having a good month of July. Haven't been able to say that on Wall Street too often this year. We're going for a four-day rally. The Dow, the SP, the NASDAQ, and the Russell all are higher. Building on recent gains, Samsung said memory chips were strong, helping the overall semiconductor index and tech stocks do well today. The headline news that UK Prime Minister Boris Johnson is resigning brings up a little bit of a question of demon unknown. Who's going to replace? What will the policies be that might be different? It's not that big of a deal but it's it's one that it brings up question marks Um, and wall street doesn't like a lot of questions so i'm glad to see wall street's handling this one pretty easily today a lot of stories recently about volkswagen starting to beat tesla in electric vehicle production and plans to completely bypass them in two years we'll see i'm not pro or anti Tesla. Not in it, not out of it for any reason. It's just not on my radar. It's almost, to be fair, a Civil War stock where there's too many people that love it and there's too many people that hate it. So it's kind of a, that's not for me. There's no winners in that one. For again, stock winners have been clear, but not recently, right? Eight hundred five one six twelve twenty 516 1220 to get your calls on the Air Crypto. Uh, current owners are committed despite recent volatility. Anyone that I know that owns crypto, no one has said I give up. Some people have said, I'm not buying more. But the people that own it are like, I'm just going to see what happens. It's not the best strategy. I saw a young crypto investor yesterday. You've got losses. You can consider harvesting them. And that'll help lower your taxable income for this year. So let's say you have a $3,000 loss, which is what you're legally allowed to claim on your taxes each year. But you go, what if I have $6,000 losses? Well, you could claim $3,000 this year and $3,000 next year. That's how that system works. Um, And then if you still like the asset in 30 days, you can buy it back and still claim that loss. It's called harvesting losses. It's a very common practice with stocks. It's not a bad idea to think about. Bitcoin still trading around 20,000, less than a third of its all time high of 69,000. Digital assets like Terra are now worthless. Crypto lenders like Celsius are closed due to bankruptcy. There's still a lot of consumer confidence plummeting in the area. Um, and it's still getting hit. The overall infrastructure of crypto is getting weaker right now, <clears throat> but it's set up to be getting stronger some mergers, some acquisitions, companies are failing. So they're saying, let's merge. What did I just say? I think the overall crypto world in the last two years has become legitimate, whether or not crypto ever becomes legitimate. And what I mean by that is I've got a friend who is a lawyer and he's working in the crypto industry. I know financial analysts who have left The stock market for the crypto market. Rick Edelman used to be a big proponent of get a financial planner, sit down, talk with them. The stock market creates wealth. He sold his company to a company called Financial Engines, and they still market his name and his image and his likeness and his, his books and such. But he started pushing crypto. And what he's pushing with crypto is pretty interesting. He's trying to train financial planners how to offer crypto to their customers so there's too many people now in my opinion, too many experts, too many lawyers, too many researchers and analysts working in crypto for it just to go, go go poof. Still may not be an asset for you. It's still not an asset for me. If crypto were to fall to 13,000, it would be an asset for me. Cryptocurrency owners are more ethnically diverse group than general populations. Nearly a quarter of crypto investors are Hispanic. That's 23% compared to 17% of the general population. Uh, 41% of cryptocurrency owners identify as non-white. <clears throat> You've heard me a couple times on this show, and I tried to do it casually. You've heard me a couple of times refer to um, one of the problems with the financial industry is that there's just too many white Caucasian males um, who wear a tie in suits, have cufflinks, um, have five white shirts that are pressed each week. It's too much of that. So crypto users are optimistic. It's part sometimes of youthful optimism. It's also a feeling that we missed the internet train or the internet 2.0 train. Should we get it on this train? least a third of owners use it in some way, shape, or form. Um, people are trying to integrate it in their life. 66% of crypto holders hold their asset in their portfolios to make money, but more than a third say they occasionally use it as a form of payment. I still haven't gotten offered anything in crypto. I know Tesla had that thing where the company invested a couple billion dollars in crypto so they could start doing transactions in crypto. And the price of crypto falls basically a third from where they bought it from. So Tesla made a billion-dollar mistake on an asset. We're going to call it a currency. Um, if it's not a currency, the SEC is calling it a commodity. Uh, I think commodity is the right way to look at it. But One it's supply and demand driven in large part. Currencies, I don't know if we're as committed to crypto there. So there is a group of people that are very seriously committed, the people who bought it, the younger generation, for sure. But also, I really want to tell you, it's going to stick around for many, 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 many years. And it's probably not going to go completely belly up because there's too much of an industry, too many people with six-figure jobs working in understanding crypto and regulating crypto and doing crypto and establishing crypto. Um. What we need out of crypto right now is for some of the weak players to go away like they did in the 1990s with the first round of the internet. We need some of the weak guys to go away. And then we need another round of innovation, kind of like what Facebook and Instagram did after the first round of the internet. Crypto needs that same second chance, second life. Find me online at robloxshow.com.